This is Crucial Tech, a podcast about technology that affects all of us in a format that allows you to consume it in the time it takes to go to and from the grocery store. I'm your host, Lou Covey, and I probably know more about it than you do. And if I don't, I know someone who does. But first... Welcome back to Crucial Tech. Uh, this is Lou Covey, and we've got a pretty serious subject to talk about today. We're talking about responsibility in data security. Now, we've reached a tipping point in the toleration of cybercrime worldwide. Uh, governments are assigning massive resources to per- prosecuting criminals that up to this point have operated with impunity and even protection by host countries. Companies are starting to invest millions in the purchase of protective technologies, and the job market for cybersecurity professionals is white hot. But for the most part, in spite of the investment and the legislation, we're still fumbling in the dark. C-level executives are making investments with the sole purpose of looking like they are doing something, but just not accomplishing the task, and they know it. Now, for several years, Uh, the Office of Chief Information Security Officer, which has only been around for about 10 years, and is known as CISO, C-I-S-O, they hold their jobs for about two to four years, and they generally take the fall when a data breach occurs. They're the ones that carry the responsibility. But those failures are either because the CISO is not given the resources to do his job, or was hired without qualifications, knowing that he would be the fall guy for the CEO. For example, the deputy chief of of Japan's cybersecurity defense admitted recently that he had never touched a computer and, when questioned by the parliament, had difficulty with the concept of a USB flash drive. I mean, that is the ultimate form of air gap security is that you don't even use a computer. Board members and press and increasingly savvy stockholders, however, are realizing that CEOs may actually be the weak link in a company's cyber strategy. Back in September of 2020, Gartner Research released a report saying that 75% of CEOs will be held personally liable for cyber physical security indictments by 2024. Now, let me explain that. That means that if people are injured or killed, that's what cyber physical means, as a result of a cyber attack on a company's network, then the CEO will not only have to pay for it out of his own pocket, he may be facing jail time for negligence. Now, I've actually been talking to people about this off and on for a better part of the the past year, and most people don't even want to talk about that, but I finally found somebody who did. I've been looking for some time for someone who would talk about CEO responsibility and recently found Matthew Gorge, who is the CEO and founder of Vigitrust, a cybersecurity monitoring company, and uh, the author of a book called The Cyber Elephant in the Boardroom. Now, before I introduce Matthew, let me plug their tech. 
VigiTrust is a provider of integrated risk management software called VigiOne, which allows organizations to prepare for and validate and manage continuous compliance with in excess of 100 security and information government standards. Now, that allows companies to manage and adjust security programs on the fly to demonstrate to regulators or law enforcement or enforcement bodies that the security programs are legit. So, Matthew, thanks for joining us today, and let's just dive in here. Do you think CEOs should be held accountable for data security? You know, that's interesting. I, I think that we're, we're seeing a lot of focus on uh, making the C-suite accountable for uh, cybersecurity and and security, generally speaking. Um, we, we've seen a, a number of jurisdictions worldwide uh, make it uh, a criminal offense not to actually push for for good cybersecurity and, and, and for compliance. Um, as to whether the CEO themselves will be made uh, financially liable, um, I, I think they'll fight it back. But I certainly think that there's a trend out there that makes the C-suite and the boards much more accountable towards cybersecurity. And some of them are actually fighting it back. Um, I often talk of the, the five stages of cyber accountability grief mm -hmm. uh, for boards and CEO. And what I mean by that is if you look at the, the, the five stages of grief, generally speaking, you go through uh, denial. So the board will say, well, this is not our problem. Uh, we are here to grow the business. We're here to make profits for shareholders. Uh, we're here to create employment. We're not here to look after cyber. Then they'll go through anger. Well, we've already given you a budget. We've appointed a chief risk officer, a chief compliance manager, a chief security officer. It's their problem. They deal with it, not us. Mm -hmm. Then they'll go through bargaining. Okay, we can see that the regulator is knocking at the door of our competitors. We can see that some people in the industry are being hacked. So what we're going to do is we're going to hire a big firm, a very well-known firm to come in and do an assessment. And that might be good enough to fend off the regulators and the enforcement bodies. And of course, it's not. Then we go through depression. Oh, my God, we have been hacked. Oh, my God, the regulator is knocking at our door, not the competitor's door. What do we do now? And eventually, they get through acceptance. And the acceptance stage is where you realize that as a board or as a C-suite, you are actually accountable for making sure that you protect data pertaining to your employees, to your um, partners, to your clients, and, and also protecting the systems. Uh, and so one of the issues here is... Will that accountability go as far as saying if something goes wrong, the CEO will be financially liable? I think we're a long way from that. But will the company be held liable and will the offices of the company maybe be barred from being, being, a, from being a director in another company moving forward? That is much more prob probable in, in my opinion. Do you think they'd uh, prefer to go to jail over it than to uh, pay a fine for it? Well, I mean, <laughs> g given the size of the fines at the moment, I, I think that um, it would make the hourly uh, rate in, in jail actually very expensive. So, um, but, but I, I, you know, I, I don't think that would be the right message to send either. I, I think the reality is that um, as, as a C-suite, when, uh, when you start a business anywhere in the world, you have a duty of care. 
and uh, the duty of care is defined in different ways in different jurisdictions but by and large it's making sure that you don't forge financial statements that you you know you're going to to do business the right way you're going to be compliant and the same applies for data protection and and privacy regulation the challenge at the moment is the patchwork of regulations that we have and the fact that even with the best intentions, sometimes the board cannot really understand it because we love the three-letter acronyms. You know, we love the the PCI, the CCPA, the FDA, and so on. But the, 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 the some of the very strategic thinkers that are excellent at at, at looking at growth strategies, they don't understand those three-letter acronyms. And it's up to us as security people to make it easier for them to understand what needs to be done. Because I I, I keep going to the fact that back to the fact that the uh, cyber security and cyber compliance is not rocket science. It, it's just being organized and doing the right thing in the right order. Okay. So uh, taking a look at your website, you, you do mention that you consult to a lot of CEOs. Do you find that they take responsibility, uh, the, the people that you consult to, they, do they take responsibility or do they try to push it down to others? So when people come to us for education at a C level, they've already gone through a few of the, st the five stages that I've uh, that I've described, and so they're probably trying to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. um, I do think that they're trying to split the tasks, um, and also they they recognize that some of the items that need to be addressed are probably too technical or too too legal for them. Um, my view is that it's the role of the overall C-suite and the board to together build the right cybersecurity strategy. Um, so I, I always refer back to uh, a framework that I created 12 years ago called the Five Pillars of Security Framework. And yeah, I'm which glad I, you brought that up because I was going to ask about it. Right, thanks. Yeah, and, and, and it's really... Um, it's really aimed at the, the board of directors and the C-suite. Um, and the whole idea is to demystify what they need to comply with. Uh, the, the, the only way to do that is to talk to them in business terms that, that they're familiar with. So like the, the board is not necessarily risk averse or uh, paying lip service to risk. They deal with risk every day, risk of uh, acquiring another business, selling a business, uh, doubling up the workforce, reducing the workforce in some cases. Um, they deal with financial risk all the time. We just need to put cyber risk on their agenda. And so uh, in order to do that, you need to, to talk in plain English business terms. Um, and, and the five pillars of security is based on the idea that whether you look at compliance with uh, state privacy regulation in the US or federal privacy regulation or GDPR in the EU or critical infrastructure protection, uh, any anything, any industry anywhere in the world, it always dial, dials back to five common denominators. People security, physical security, data security, infrastructure security, which is your wider infrastructure. So your, your own networks, your remote workers, your subsidiaries, your franchisees, your third parties, fourth parties, applications, cloud, and so on. And then finally, crisis management. When, when do you, what do you do when something goes wrong? And so the way to talk to the board and the C-suite uh, around those five pillars is to ask them questions that they can understand. For instance, as a CEO or as a member of the board, am I confident that I can demonstrate to any regulator or enforcement body that I have the right physical security and that I'm checking 
data and people and goods and services coming in and out according to the law. Uh, and, and the answer should be yes, absolutely. Yes, I think so. No, I don't think so. I don't know. And then potentially you should offer, which, which we do at VGTrust, another two options, which is I don't care, which should be a red flag, or this doesn't apply to my organization, which should be a yellow flag because it may or may not. And you want the board to understand whether something applies or not. Yeah. When I was reading those pillars on your website, uh, the first thing that came to my mind was that it was a, a comprehensive list of responsibilities that should fall under the direction of the CEO, who is the chief executive officer, because it spans so much of the business. It spans HR, it's, it, it spans uh, research and development. It, it just it was such a comprehensive list, I was kind of amazed by it. Uh, and I'm probably gonna be doing something a little bit more in depth on that particular issue. Um, that raises the question to me though, is that should the, C the chief security officer actually take the full responsibility for that or should it fall back on the CEO and the board? So I think that you raise a good point that the chief security officer will understand all of the controls and whether they're technical controls, policies, procedures, or, or skills transfer that attach to the five pillars. And they need to distill that information in a language that the CEO can convey to the board. So it, in my view, the CEO is kind of the connector between the, the chief security officer or the risk officer, the compliance officer, and the board and, and the CEO will make the executive decision to bring the issue to the board and make sure that issue becomes a, a, a regular point of discussion for the board on a monthly basis, ideally, but at the very least on a quarterly basis. Um, and so it's up to the CISO and the risk people to provide the CEO with the right information so that they can discuss it at the board together and make uh, strategic decisions. So the CISO might say, look, you know, uh, we are in the, uh, we're in this industry that's just been hacked in, in another jurisdiction. Um, we're the next target. So this is what happened. This is what we need to do. These are the changes we need to make and uh, these are the costs, these are the benefits, and these are the risks of not doing it. And that needs to be explained to the CEO in a way that he can convey that message to the board. Now, more than likely, the CEO will do the introduction and uh, will ask the CSO to come and, uh, and talk to the board. Um, but once you're into that, that kind of train of thought, you're already on to a winner because you've got the executive people talking to the chief executive who's then relating everything to the very strategic or super strategic people. Um, and I can assure you that right now, there's a lot of board discussions happening in critical infrastructure in the US because of the colonial pipeline hack and everywhere in the world for health services because of the Irish uh, health service being um, being hacked. And, and from a strategic perspective, um, it's a wake up call. You know, our competitors are being, uh, uh, and our peers are being attacked. So we need to be prepared. We could be the next ones. And it's, it's, up, it's probably no surprise that uh, the health service executive in, in, in Ireland was, was hacked last week. And then now we hear that uh, potentially the same happened in New Zealand. And potentially tomorrow it'll be another country. There's like a, a concerted effort right now by cyber criminals to attack 
what is most vulnerable, which mm -hmm. is essentially uh, our critical infrastructure, part of which is the health service because of the pandemic. So these people have no, no heart, to them it's just uh, another risk exposure that they can, they can address. And, and these are the, the very strategic things that the board needs to discuss. Okay, let's talk about those two specific instances. Um, Colonial, uh, where do, I, I'm, I'm anticipating that you're gonna say that they're somewhere between three and four on the grief scale, <laughs> uh, because uh, I've, I've hesitated on writing anything about Colonial because there's not a whole lot that's clear about what's going on. But the CEO did say a few weeks ago that they spent tens of millions of dollars upgrading their security and obviously it didn't work <laughs> and uh yeah I, I even uh made one erroneous uh statement where i thought that the colonial uh case was actually a success story because it seemed like the it and the operational networks were uh, uh, air-gapped from each other and now it turns out that that's not true because they're finding the same malware on the operational networks um, as well. Uh, so that's going to be a problem altogether. But they did spend a lot of money on it. It just didn't seem to work. Uh, is that something that you think is probably honest to say about the, that particular case? I think what's interesting about uh, Colonial is that they decided to pay the ransom um you know um and and regardless of whether they had uh, invested in the right systems and the right protection or not um at the end of the day it's malware managed to get into the into the system that mm -hmm. that has essentially resulted in 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 critical systems at the back office being encrypted and them deciding that it was a better business decision to pay than not to pay um, but you have to put that into perspective, right? So uh, I wouldn't claim to know the exact numbers, but I would hazard a, a, an educated guess that uh, four or five million um, in terms of payment is probably uh, not much uh, with regards to uh, the, the money that's being made every day. And so therefore, uh, not knowing exactly what was happening, there was a risk-based decision made that was... Uh, that it was better to actually pay, and and, and unfortunately, when when you do that, uh, you're sending a message that you're willing to pay. Um, whereas the, in in the case of the health service executive, um, they decided that they didn't want to pay and that they wanted to send the message that it wasn't okay to encrypt uh, the data pertaining to a hospital or to a health system in the middle of a pandemic, and that whilst it may take more time to, to, to bring the systems back up, they weren't going to pay. Um, and, and also, if you look at the idea of ransomware or uh, malware, generally speaking, a lot of malware can be stopped by existing technology and can also be spotted by people. If people have been trained the right way against phishing attacks and if the security awareness training is done the right way. And so um, it, I, I think that... Uh, it's all well and good investing tens of millions in security, but you need to invest in security that actually adds value to your systems and to your to your business. Um, so if you invest a lot in uh, across those five pillars, for instance, and you invest a lot in um, physical security, which you would do for a pipeline, um, 
and and you you forget about data security and infrastructure security well then you're still leaving yourself open right so you you have to understand where your risk exposure is and where your risk surface is okay uh, that sounds great. Uh, I thank you for your time and uh, I look forward to talking to you more in the future about this. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity to talk to you. This isn't something that most people would be investing in as far as uh, small business and like that. Uh, uh, Martin did outline a very important uh, process for looking at your business and what you actually need to do to secure your data. And from whether you're a small business to a large business. And I wanted to emphasize his last point. There are many things you can invest in. You can spend a lot of money on security. But what you need to do, as he put it, is to invest in security that adds value to your business. And that doesn't mean you have to spend a lot of money, but you have to understand where your, the holes are in, in your security. And some of that could be as simple as making sure your employees and even you follow basic password security plans. And I've talked about that over and over again. I'm just going to remind you to do it again. So this has been Lou Covey with Crucial Tech. Thanks for listening. Uh, as always, if you have a question or comment, you can go to anchor.fm slash crucialtech and click on the, the comment button. And you can leave a one-minute audio question or comment there. And I'll get back to you. You'll probably be on the show. Or you can go to uh, cyberprotectionmagazine.com and you can leave a comment there. Uh, thanks for listening and see you next week.